Okay, uh, I send you two news right. stories. Maybe we cover the first one first. Um, okay. By Esports Insider. Uh, the news is that KitKat Chunky has announced a partnership with Malaysian esports competition, University E-League. And it is the first venture, um, first KitKat venture into the Malaysian esports scene. Mm. And how, the, how this works is that the University E-League is a nationwide Esports League featuring the universities and colleges in Malaysia. They will compete in the qualifiers and then um, they will go to the grand finals to compete for prize pool of 20,000 ringgit. Three titles. The three titles are Dota 2, Wild Rift and Mobile Legends. Um, first thing first, I think this news came as quite... Uh, in in my opinion, it's uh, it's a good direction because I remember speaking to this with some of my friends uh, talking about like what we can do in the university um, scene, and I think it's quite welcoming to see universities participating in this league, or or rather actually I do I do have to correct myself that I think it's not the university participating but the students are the one that are participating I don't think they get they got any real endorsement from universities apart from Sergi if I'm not mistaken let me see I think BAC also gives or BAC some, some, as well yeah. I know BAC yeah I believe BAC used to have uh, well esports class or something like that and they were doing a pre-trial class on that as well Right, no, I mean for the purposes um, of this university e-league. So the, for the purposes of this university e-league, the official supporting partner, one of them is Sergi Group of Colleges. So I think it's quite welcoming yeah. to yeah. see uh, a university endorsing a league. Um, just want to know what's your first impression, this league being formed and whether or not you see it's a good direction for the Malaysian esports scene? I think that it is a good direction. My main, well, to me, the thing that, that stood out is the fact that we have both uh, major players in this, uh, that the event is looking across, well, three, the three major players, two on mobile phones and one on PC, being the, the Dota 2 with Valve, League of Legends, Wild Drift with Riot Mobile, and Mobile Legends, the prevailing Southeast Asian dominant game, effectively. So to me, that is the first interesting thing. Uh, and that KitKat being a, being a very prominent figure in the LEC, in the European uh, League of Legends scene, is you know, coming down to Malaysia, and not even Southeast Asia, but to Malaysia itself to extend this kind of partnership. Uh, I think that's very interesting. I think that's very motivating for the esports scene. Uh, and also, I think this one, depending on how it's going to fan out and what resources are going to be made available through this partnership for the for the UEL uh, it's going to be to set a benchmark lah. that's that's what I will say uh, that what it's going to set a benchmark for how we can uh, look to what a Malaysian full Malaysian league can actually look like uh, with you know proper partnership with proper support from the ground with prominent names going back and forth international names that support Esports continue to look into ground level. I think that's one of the key things. 
that, that I take away from this. And they're not limited to one game, which is the best thing, which is they're, they're putting themselves out there for three of the major games that, uh, you know, Malaysians will play. Or put to a certain extent, the three games that most common people will play these days. Uh, the, the Wild Rift, the Mobile Legends of Dota 2, there are very prominent people who play there. Are you surprised with the selection in that um, there was no PUBG Mobile? This is just my opinion. I don't know because I don't think uh, PUBG Mobile is growing as fast as uh, Wild Rift and Mobile Legends. Am I surprised that it's not selected? Not entirely. But I do believe the, the manner and the rate in which the games are growing, Wild Rift and Mobile Legends are doing it a lot better. So there are more innovative things that are coming into the game that affects gameplay rather than like, um, pardon me, but like, you know, artificial things like skins and things like that and guns and stuff. It's not as prominent, but in League of Legends, Wild Rift, like we are every patch that has been released since its launch uh, comes with at least two new characters. And the way that it's being marketed, at least here in, in, in our region, is that, you know, once there's always a way to get it. You don't have to, pay to win concept. You don't have to pay it. There is, uh, there is a way to get it and it's not as difficult as, as you would think. Uh, Mobile Legends says that same methodology that they're always having new champions and into the game that require new, new, new things to run. And the way that Wild Drift and Mobile Legends and Dota is being played is, is, is a small update into the game changes the whole dynamic of the game, whether how it's being played and how things like that. Uh, my personal opinion is that PUBG is not catching up with that. <clears throat> and <clears throat> my, uh, that is what I feel. And uh, although I do like shooter games myself, this is something I am look, I'm seeing also throughout shooter games. Uh, you look at Call of Duty, um, even Overwatch to a certain extent has faced that as well, that they're not catching up as fast as games like all these mobile games. Uh, I don't, uh, uh, yeah, and all, these mo- uh, and all these kind of games. So, uh, am I surprised it's not being selected? No. Uh, do I think they should be included? Maybe, depending on the target market they're reaching. But uh, I guess we are looking at a university game, right? A university league. And I think it will be easier to market it as a five-man team from a university than to have uh, one or two people, solos or doubles, or you know, get the squad of four. Uh, and also uh, to get to play. Uh, maybe one other factor that PUBG was not selected I think that is probably the prominent reason is that there may not be enough universities to form uh, a play a playroom. So, you know, we need roughly the estimate is about 25 teams. So whether they are, we are able to get 25 universities or, you know, so on and so forth to reach that number is uh, something maybe that they were concerned about or looking into. Yeah, was, that was what I was thinking as well. Um, the demographic is that these are university students. Well, uh, granted that I was a university student uh, 10 years ago, about thereabouts. Um, so I'm not surprised that Dota was included, but I can imagine why, or I can take the reason why PUBG Mobile was not included as well, because um, I think in, in my opinion, the way um, the players I, I notice playing PUBG Mobile, they are generally um, high school students which, if I'm not mistaken, I recall, you know, the last conversation that we had with um, the organizer that organized uh, esports tournament for high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, that yeah. PUBG Mobile was Gen part of it. 
yeah, Genbija, I believe they they mm. do have uh, PUBG Mobile as as uh, mm. one of their games. If they are not as a part of their game, then I'll just edit this part out. <laughs> so that yeah. I don't but I mean, even if it's not right, they, they, I'm not saying that. I think we are not we are not too far off when we are, we are not saying that it is not a game that many people play. I mean, we, which will link on to our second topic later today. There is still competition. There is still a scene. But I think I would say that the prevailing reason that it's not working, at least for the University League, is to, to, make, to make it an actually exciting competition, you will need to have maybe a, a bit more teams. It's, it is, a, after all, a battle royale. It is not, a, you, know, a, you know, you only need four teams to play. You need quite a significant amount of teams in order for that have the battle royale feel because if not you're pretty much playing mm. uh, COD or you're playing mob, uh, you know Call of Duty or something like that so mm. that would be my kind of that would be I would say that's the leading authority that would be the most biggest reason uh, everything mm. else that I've said just now uh, I think could be a reason uh, but I think it's secondary to the main one which is they need more teams yeah I think they're just more popular amongst the um, high school students lah uh, thankfully, I was right. Jen Bijat does um, organize PUBG mobile games for high school students. Mm-hmm. My, my, my next question is this, because actually, um, if I'm not mistaken, last year or two years ago, uh, they actually, um, this, this u- university-type leagues, they were organized before, um, albeit from, different org- from a different organizer. And now this year, this is the first time I'm seeing this tournament organizer organizing for the universities. Um, again, granted, I think they are a bigger player. I think, in my opinion, it's it's a didn't take on traditional league. Uh, why I say that is because generally, uh, how it runs is uh, I think we all we all we all are aware of this. Is you start with a dominant league or at least the main competition league, and mm-hmm. see LCS, the Dota two, the majors. That's how the, these kind of tournaments started. And then that's when you go into the minors, when you go into the academy leagues, when you go into the university. So I think this is a very interesting take on whether it's going to sustain. Uh, the sustainability, I feel, is what comes next after university league. And, you know, in America, they have, uh, after, you know, you go into university, you get drafted by a sports team, or even in, you get drafted by a sports team and so on and so forth for your professional career. So I think it really depends on what happens next for them and what is how this organization is going to look into that or are they just doing it as kind of a, um, this kind of concept where it's just meant for university because I think the only way it's going to be sustainable is if there is um, that back support into what comes next whether this is actually a career path or whether this is just a hobby uh, it really depends on what these organizers are looking at uh, you look at the NCAA uh, for you know in America but they have the, co- the collegiate uh, all-American competitions. They play against their own. They play against universities against one another. That's where people go and scout them. That's where people go and see their talent. And then the next year after that, or you know, after three years, they get drafted in the NFL, in the NBA, uh, so on and so forth, right? So this is where that portion comes into play. What is the next step? What is the intention of these organizers for doing this? And whether it is supposed to launch them into a career path, uh, that would be the question I would say. Uh, that we have to wait and see. I think this league is still relatively new. Uh, I think you're talking about two years old, launched in 2020. Now we're going to 2021. It's two years old. I think it would take some time. 
uh, I think you were referring to Prime Esport, uh, Prime Sports International, that are uh, one of the main organizers for this. Uh, I think they are quite a global, quite a global organization. You know, with the managing director, you know, holding positions in NBA, PGA Tours, MLS, AFC, so on and so forth. So yeah, I can I agree with you that you know there is definitely a big backing. But like I said, I think to me is what comes next. What is the intention of it? And what is the target that they are trying to reach? Are they trying to launch Malaysian university players into the global scene, or you know, the next step for them is to launch a adult professional scene in uh, in, in Malaysia? Correct. I think you raised a very valid point just now. Um, the other company that that is working that is uh, partnering together to with PSI to launch this um, league is the Esports mm-hmm. Business Network. And Esports Business Network is a merger between Orange Esports and the gaming company. So, um, relatively prominent um, esports players in the Malaysian scene. Um, but you actually did raise a very, very good point there, right? Like, what's next, right? Um, after this university tournament, after you win the grand finals, what's, what happened next? Uh, I think uh, in the US, um, there are many teams around um, to... To, to acquire their services, acquire their talents, right? Um, it would be one of the scouting areas for esports organizations to look at these players, not only seeing whether they can win, but also seeing whether they have a personality, then they can develop from there. Yep. Um, I think the problem here is that mm. at least for the three games that were mentioned, apart from maybe Mobile Legends, um, I think the two other games, Dota and Wild Rift, they are not really established yet. Uh, well, because Wild Rift is a new game, um, but at least even for Dota, yeah. we are not so established. Our Malaysian players are constantly being being um, recruited by the international esports orgs. I think what they can do next is partnering with local esports orgs in terms of um, setting up the next career path for these winners right. yeah. as I mean, well as you look back you look back at the, you know at the, uh, there was this article uh, by Digital News Asia right and uh, on, on 2nd June so it's very recent as well right so this is this is what this is what the uh, what it was stated the company said that the UEL University League uh, is also positioned as an additional and practical route for esports enthusiasts looking to develop a professional career in esports. So, you know, we, we hit the jackpot there in, sense, in the sense that this is their intention, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's still what comes next. What is the avenues available? And you're right. There are many teams in America that are already in place. You know, there are organizations in place that are even in the esports capacity. If you just look at the main organizations, you have 10, but easily there can be another 10 more sitting just right behind there that are looking to build up the next big names. And even out of the main 10, you know, there are more prominent names in the in the competitive e uh, esports scene as a whole that are not part of the great ten in in, in uh, well whether it's the in the league or whatever. You mean you have Face Clan, which is also to a certain extent an esports team, and all these kind of things. But they're not yep. part of a certain league or a certain team. You know, Face Clan doesn't play Dota. Mm, they don't. No, play. they don't. They don't. I don't think so. But they do have uh, CS:GO. They mm. don't have a League of Legends, but they have mm. a CS:GO team. So. There is definitely a lot more teams there that are available. Uh, what comes next for UEL people who finish this program or go through it, you know, would really be dependent 
on what is the avenues available for them to actually breach this, you know, uh, goal to, be, to, to developing a career. Uh, I think that would be the next step. La, that, that yeah, I, and, I, be identified, la, I and I honestly think that our scene is really not mature enough to really support yeah. players here. I think uh, what can come out of it is that best case scenario, five to ten players get spotted, they get recruited into our local esports org or maybe our um, neighboring esports org as well. But I think that's about it. Support, what I'm trying to say is that the support here after this league would still be relatively small, but hopefully in the next years to come, more support will be coming from the government or every other stakeholder, ensuring that our scene grows and you know, take really take advantage of this university mm. elite, right? I think that's 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 the whole purpose as well of, of creating yeah. this league. I believe that that would that should be the main focus, lah, is to 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 you know establish this scene in a manner that other people are able to use it, uh, to build up, to actually build it, and it's not just uh, it is not just there for university students to have fun and to just uh, have a competitive experience, but rather you know. For those who are serious, to, to look into it more, to, to, to be able to give them that support needed to take the next level to wherever they may be, you know. Well, what's funny from the Digital News Asian um, I mean, um, article was that they first mentioned there were there are going to be four titles, and the four titles are MLDB, yeah. League of Legends, Wild Rift, and Valorant. Well, and what is actually announced, the games will reduce to three. And yeah, included Dota and excluded Valorant and League and of Legends. Could this could be just a marketing study? Uh, I am not surprised with that. I think League of Legends wise, I think as much as I love Malaysia and I do enjoy a good game of League of Legends, I think our scene we are locally, I think we are still a bit away. Not that mm. I'm any good, but I believe that we are still a bit away considering. <laughs> Jai Dragon only has one Malaysian player and we are a local team. So <clears throat> hopefully, hopefully, you know, we'll see more players in the Jai Dragons as a starting point. At least even if we're gonna lose, at least lose with Liquidity. You know, to have like four Malaysians on the team to at least at least three Malaysians on the team, get two import slots and hold yourself, you know. Uh, but that being said, you know, I think Wild Drift was a good play. I think Wild Drift is a good decision. Uh, I mean you as of what we are doing today on the 24th of June, you look at, you go to Bajaya Dragons Facebook site. Bajaya Dragons is looking for a Baron Lane. So this is, un, we are not promote, we are not endorsed by Bajaya Dragons, nor are we promoting Bajaya Dragons, but we're just saying that Bajaya Dragons is looking for Wildrift players uh, for Baron Lane, right? So what to me is interesting is the local teams are looking to develop the games that are going to, that they are to be the next level. Wildrift is, I think, one of those uh, that are, they are being eyed, you know, you have, like I said, you have traditional League of Legends players in Malaysia, at least that have moved on to, to, to Wildrift. Uh, Chile used to be used to be as well one of the League of Legends players. Now he's in Wildrift. Uh, RH as well used to be a League of Legends player for KL Hunters. Now is mid uh, lane, and now he's uh, playing that as well for uh, playing uh, that as well. So there is, I think, although the games have been shortened and they've changed the games, I think they're eyeing the right scope. I think they have identified the games that will generate the most attention rather than the than lesser. So I think in terms of the game choice, I still think it's a bit better than the, what they originally planned. Valorant, in my opinion, is still a developing scene. Uh, I think it's still a very early on to say, 
it is picking up. I do see a lot more attention going to it. But that's also, I think, primarily because it's driven by the whole Riot Games uh, and it's by its, by, the, by its other titles being brought on. So I think Valorant is developing. To that said, I'm not sure I have, I have many Malaysian friends who play it as frequent or at all. So I think that's a good identification point as well. Yeah, so overall, I think the three games that they chose at the end of the day were still better than the four that they initially proposed mm-hmm. on that basis. Yeah. I think Valorant is uh, big in US, but not here. Um, the My last question to this before yeah. we move on yeah. is that, do you think that there would be a ceiling here in the sense that traditionally, or what we know is that Riot Games generally get hand, gets hands-on with their games, fairly protective of their IP as compared mm. to like Valve, where they don't really care mm. how you run Dota tournaments mm. as long as you run it um, well yep. and, and market the, the game. Do you, do you see that if, let's say, this takes off, right, whether Riot Games would actually step in to intervene or endorse this um, this uh, university elite. Again, I don't think I can say much about this, uh, to be fair, because I find that while Drift is still developing, I think one thing we know so far is that, right, at least one thing we can say for certain is Wild Drift is something that's being identified by Riot that's going to impact this region. So just like League is big in Korea and China and, 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 and the Europe's as well as in America, uh, this is their next big move, which is to dominate the Southeast Asian, the Asian League together with India and things like that uh, on this on this scene of, of, of Wild Drift. Mm. Uh, I think we're still very early on. I think we're still uh, in its infancy as to whether this is the, the, the manner that they're looking to. But I would think that they will support this league because it's going to be a very good testing ground and to see whether with sufficient resources, what is the next step it's going to take. Because mm-hmm. uh, all things said and done, you know, Riot still has put focus on Wild Drift here by organizing, both, uh, uh, by organizing tournaments in this region. Right, you had we had an ES, uh, ESL had uh, organized a wild drift competition not too long ago in twenty twenty one that ran from uh, April from April to June, which our Bajaya Dragons won. Mm. Uh, and then there was also a Southeast Asian level. It's called the Southeast Asia Icon Series. That and this one was the one that was launched and and, and organized by Riot Games themselves. So, so uh, it's definitely something that they're looking into to. They're, they're, they're definitely invested into uh, and you look at the and you look at the teams that were actually playing right uh, that teams that, that participated to have uh, secret you have team secret uh, from Philippines who, who have started up the uh, team secret who set up Philippines team participated Bajaya Dragons one of the uh, the Malaysian team right that participated you have Flash Wolves one of the most dominant League of Legends team at one time mm-hmm. Eboss Esports from Thailand is also a part of the team so the names that are in here are they're not small timers. They're definitely bigger. They are big names. Mm. They are they are big names that are here uh, to stay. Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah. So I think Riot is putting direction. I think things like this university league and whether it's going to help Riot in the long run. I think definitely is going to see whether it, whether it's worth it to have something like what they do in Europe 
on top of having this Southeast Asia icon, whether it's worth it to invest time to set up a Malaysian, Malaysian series, just as how they do the country series. In that. But I would say that's maybe five years down the road, but that's definitely, I think, a direction that they can assess with the EU uh, in, that, in that regard. I think Dota 2, you're right to mention that it's not so much on IP, it's not so much on the things, as long as the call tournament runs. Um, what's the next step for Dota 2 would be very interesting. To see whether how these how teams are going to recruit them, uh, like you've mentioned just now, you know our region has our country and our region has developed very prominent players, uh, Dota two players. So uh, there's definitely place for them to grow there. Mobile Legends, I think internationally not as big, but again, it's a very region based competition. Mm. So I think there is hope uh, mm. for this lah. Right. Uh, like I said, I, then again, you know, I'm not sure how they, they run their competitions. Uh, like, you know, we know Valve's how Valve runs their competitions. We know how Riot generally runs their competitions. So I'm not too sure how we can say, what I can say about Mobile Legends methodology in terms of mm-hmm. running competitions, but I think it'll be something interesting to see. To see mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, from one esports tournament to another, let's move on to the next news, which is esukan.gg. Mm-hmm a centralized national esports management platform are organizing a first national level esports league called Malaysia Esports League 2021, which I don't think is true. I think there are many national Mm. esports leagues, to be fair. But okay, I'm just reading the news. And it says that this Malaysia Esports League 2021 is a premier state and national esports league involving participation of amateur and semi-pro players, blah, 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 blah. What's what's good about mm. this is that the prize pool is bigger. It's 200k ringgit. Mm. And mm. Wow. but I think spending across four titles, if I'm not mistaken. The que- my, my question is this. We keep seeing this esports league, you know, and they they I don't know why they name why they call themselves as uh, uh, the first national level esports league. Like, because I, I think I recall last year there are something similar. But again, that's, that's, that's where I'm trying to get at, you know, in terms of the sustainability. Having all these leagues organized right. every year, it comes to a point where it's just a tournament. And then after the tournament ends, there is no direction after that. I think with the University right. E-League, I, believe, I think it's better because they are confined or rather they, 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 they dive down on a specific niche of demographic and they want to grow that particular demographic mm-hmm. scene. But in this East Malaysia Esports League 2021, um, they are not really diving deep diving down to any demographic. They're opening up to all Malaysians. And the issue is that once this tournament ends, the winners win. What comes after that? Generally, nothing. Lah, right? Nothing comes out yeah, of it. Yeah. The players, they win the tournaments, they get their one-off winner's prize, and then they go on with their lives. And is and in my opinion, that's why these sort of tournaments, without a proper uh, mechanism in place to have legit tier one or tier two esports or looking or participating in these leagues, if we don't have that, then there's no natural progression after that after the tournament. That is my take on this uh, esukan.gg um, tournament. I'm not sure um, whether uh, you have a different or um, sentiment about this. No, I, I think I agree with you. I think the manner in which it's being run is very different to what traditional esports has achieved. 
it is a very open based competition it's as if like you know you're opening it up just to any any anybody who just wants to play it, right? i don't think that's i'm not sure about the qualifications what do you need to have what do you need are there any qualifications you need to have the highlights the, the lack of attention it's getting uh, as much as i think that this 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 is this you you pointed out absolutely right registration period for malaysian esports league 2021 dota to kuala lumpur league they are they, they have opened it up since 25th may to 30th june so we're coming to the tail end next week is the close of registration how many teams they have 14 teams registered but only five confirmed to me it's just uh, evident at least that you know the absence of anybody taking this seriously be it big box or not is definitely a sign it's not either not properly advertised it's not properly uh, seen or shown or covered and this is supposed to be the most prominent league in Malaysia at this point. For me, I would have gone, I would rather watch the University League, in all honesty, uh, than to watch this. But that mm-hmm. also could be a contributing factor to my kind of game. <laughs> but uh, it doesn't change the fact that you are, you've already opened it up for a month, right? And you're hitting a month today, a month today. And you still have many teams available. Uh, where, what is the difference between registered and confirmed? I, I, I cannot say. Mm, uh, mm. That is for them to tell us. But it's really a bit shocking. And you look at certain, and you look at the regions, uh, Putrajaya has zero confirmed teams, one mm. registered. Pahang has one registered team, zero confirmed teams. There needs to be, I think there needs to be an assessment on what is the target market. Is it even worth having state competitions if you, if you don't have enough teams of people to play in it? Right. And the lack of, and you're, you're, like you said, the, the absolute prominent thing is the lack of a big org that is participating, even if it's just a small league, right? Imagine if you had, let's say, Fnatic take part in the league because it was a national league. That would have made a statement. That mm. in itself would have made a statement that, hey, Malaysian players, big or small, will want to play. Even if you're just starting up team, you're like, hey, if we play well enough, we can go against them and mm. see what happens. That in itself, you know, generate more people to play, more people for attention. So, I think there's room to grow, but I think the nature of it is still too ambitious. I mean, for perspective, right? Another perspective to think about is Malaysian Esports League is launching up to almost thirty teams up out of like so many states. American League of Legends team out across the whole America has ten major teams competing in one tournament. Why is, why are we not looking to something that's more similar to that capacity considering you know the size of our country and, and things like that? The demographic of our country and things like that. I, I suppose the idea is to open participation for casual players. Yeah. Right? Instead of confining it to elite players participation only. So I suppose that's yeah. the idea. But the, but I, I think you're being too kind with your words. I think this Malaysia Esports League really don't really have any room to grow. Because unless unless they really get their objective right, so what is their objective right here? Mm. They are forking out 200k for a tournament that is not being participated by a lot of teams. If you compare with the prize pool that, that is being offered. I remember last year, yeah. there, are, there is a similar league like this. Um, last year, as one of my, my, one of my teams, they participated. So we participated. So, so what we do, right? is that uh, this is really exploiting the system. Lah. Because a lot of teams are from, from KL and Slangor. So what you do yeah. is that you don't join this state. You join another state. 
so that you stand a chance yeah. to represent that state for the uh, mm. national level, right? So this is exploiting the right. system because if I if I if I'm not mistaken, last year, um, the league they don't really have a real requirement for your players yeah. to be of that particular from that from that particular state. You can just register. So that is mm. the problem right there. So I'm not sure whether similar whether or not they have tightened their requirements here for you to only be able to participate in the particular state if you mm. if your IC shows that you were at least born there. Maybe that would right. be better in that sense for players or teams to not exploit this system. But really the issue is that I don't see this grow anywhere else apart from a one-off tournament and then, um, okay, good luck, have fun, see you next year. And then they're going to throw in another 200k pocket so, money. So eh. Yeah, like small change. Eh. Yeah. That's the problem I see with this league. I I mean, you just look at, right? Okay, granted, there has been a lot of registration for the other games like Mobile Legends and things like mm, that. Mm. You look at Mobile Legends, there is quite a lot of registration. Yeah, PUBG Mobile is, I think. But when you look at... I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but you look at the teams, you look at the, the teams and things like that. You know, you have to look at the what is next for them. Right? They're not winning the competition and, 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 and then something else. I believe that they're going to do the state level and then comes into a national level. Correct. I think that is the direction they're heading, I believe. Correct, right? correct. Yeah, so right. there is that. But, you know, what happens What happens after that is really uh, up in the air. But like I said, you know, I, I really need to see whether uh, I need to see and think about this and aspect that whether these are the games that are going to grow. Uh, what are the main teams in this What are the main teams what are the main orcs I mean that, that play in this scene and whether these teams are actually joining there? Mm-hmm. Like, are they even joining the local league or is it worth joining the local league, you know, to, to compete? So well, I guess we can see. The tournament is starting in two weeks. We can follow it as we go and we'll give you an update, you know, when the time comes when these competitions start off and I can see how it, how they play out, how they Yeah, can you imagine if the tournament if the tournament organizer I think at this time we um have a partnership with Fnatic with the promise to say that okay a fanatic scout will be watching this tournament that would definitely yeah. you know drive yeah. a lot more engagement and more teams uh, would I don't yeah, participate I think it, it, it could it could even be as easy as getting a very prominent caster to come and do it a lot of casters these days are freelance right and, and mm. you know engage them to do it uh, mm. I cannot speak for PUBG casters I cannot speak for for mobile legend casters but like for example, if there was a League of Legends tournament, we can get one of the bigger casters to come in, you know, mm-hmm. or one of the more regional famous casters to come in to just cast the game. I think that would definitely drive up viewership in terms of whether it is globally or locally. There's definitely will be some points there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. All in all, I think the league in itself could potentially grow, but I think it's a long way around. It really depends on how they're going to navigate the league or how they're looking to grow what is their decision to grow uh, from here on you have a university league now you have we have a malaysian esports league uh, it really depends on what's next what are they looking to bring up you know uh, how how are they going to affect one another i mean we although we have two different leagues they are effectively playing two different games with the only common game being mobile uh, mobile legends so mm. um, and Dota. should there be more unison in terms of organizing a and Dota? Uh, yeah, sorry. And, and should there be more unison in organizing leagues across the, uh, the board? Should the government focus on individual games and give support to individual games? Or should 
the developers themselves come in and see this region that has a potential and start doing it the same way that it's being done everywhere else in the world. Uh, these are the next big steps that we have to look into you uh, to, 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 to see whether where Malaysian esports leagues are going to grow next. Uh. I Do you think it's a good idea though? Countries in the world that runs this kind of thing. So, uh, sorry, sorry, carry on. Carry on. I think there's a lag. I so think it's carry on. your question. I mean, I really cannot say. I think it is like I said. I I, I believe we are one of the very few few or the only country that does this kind of leagues. Uh, and whether it's going whether it's going to work would really be dependent on the players and how the tournament runs. Uh, so for our for me at least, you know, I won't necessarily watch the games as much but i definitely monitor the progress i will monitor the news aspect uh, to see whether this is potential you I mean, I mean just think about it right every other organ every other game every other country plays its game based on the developer or is focused on the game so the for example right games will focus all on its legal legends valve will focus all on the majors uh, in, in tournaments and, and that will lead to international uh, malaysia is the government itself through a partnership with kbs and the other stakeholders esi and so on to mm. form these leagues, not necessarily being governed or supported by Riot, Valve, or so on and so forth. So it really, whether it will work or not, whether it will boost up viewership, whether it will boost up uh, the concept of video games, I think it's still more of a trial and error. That's why I don't want to say it won't work because I really have no idea what the impact is going to look like. That would be the extent into what I say that is the major difference in that. We are a country using resources supported by the Ministry of Youth and Sports to diversify ourselves into three different games running pretty much concurrently uh, and all our resources are spent in that way. On, and each, uh, on top of the three games running concurrently, each game is being run individually by its state. Mm. So even if there were casters, you need at least 50 casters just to make coverage well, to make it well covered. So it's definitely a lot longer. I don't think that part is wise. I don't think that part is going to generate the attention that this league should generate. Uh, so that is my comment. Yeah, we can only see Maybe how the this national will level look, will look better, but at least on a... Yeah, yeah agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think we'll revisit this, you know, once the state level tournaments are over. Yeah, yeah, I think we would. But the, but the thing is that I really... Honestly speaking, I've seen this before. Um, it's really a same shit, different year kind of mm. thing. Last year, it, there, there was something similar last year as well. <laughs> so so we'll, let's let's see fair. how it goes. I, I, I just want I mean, to... To be fair, mm-hmm. of the two, sorry, of the two, like between the two topics that we had today, the E-League, the University E-League, and this, this Malaysian League, right? I would, I would definitely say that I'm more keen to observe and watch the elite than the, than the Malaysian League. I think the setup, the support and the framework that is being prepared and the platform that is being uh, shared out is a lot more exciting than, than the Malaysian League at the moment. Correct, correct. I think so too. I think the marketing um, marketing planning of the Malaysian eSports, uh, sorry, the Malaysia, the University E-League um, definitely done it better. They had a trailer. Yeah. They were covered by Digital News Asia, they have an Instagram page, yeah. they have a Facebook page. They are actually getting prominent sponsors for the tournament. So it's just all-rounder better coverage in a sense. And that is what that is probably why it drove um, a bigger excitement 
as opposed to this Malaysian esports league, even though the prize pool is so much larger here. I do want to move on to the next, um, the, the last issue which I just only thought about is um, not sure whether you follow um, something that I posted on LinkedIn was that Sweden effectively rejected esports. Um, if you follow the Dota yes. news, um, yes. the international yeah. were not approved to be an elite sporting event, which was supposed to be held in Stockholm, Sweden. The funny thing about this is that the mayor of Stockholm actually appeared in the announcement video to announce the arrival of the international to Stockholm. Um, supposed to be played last year um, due to COVID. Obviously, it was postponed to this year, this August. In shy of the two months, we received surprising news from Valve saying that we may not be able to hold the international in Stockholm because of um, just being re- outright rejected by the government. Right? It really is as if the world's um, was rejected as an uh, event, you know. Um, if I'm doing a yeah. Apple uh, comparison yeah, for League of Legends, right? Do you have any uh, first impression about this uh, news? I think it's just shocking, considering it came from Europe. I think that's my first thought. That it, it was it's shocking because it came from Europe, um, and the, the the feedback from it was not very welcoming. Uh, there could be many reasons uh, why, but I will say that uh, this would this definitely, even to even whether to recognize it or not, has set back esports quite a bit. In that region, not mm. not not set it back rather, but its recognition. Mm. So what's crazy about this also, right, is that Sweden actually have one of the biggest esports orgs in the world. They have ninjas in pajamas. Alliance and um, esports organizer DreamHack. They all also were, they are based in Sweden. So yeah. these are the organizations that that yeah. pay taxes and help you develop the esports scene mm. in Sweden. Um, but unfortunately, that's not what the government is looking at. Um, they don't recognize it. They don't recognize it as yeah. a sport elite sporting event, which, which. Um, got me thinking mm. also that they are still categorizing esports tournaments as part of sports. I think um, it's very normal for a lot of other countries. Yeah. I think I think a lot of other countries do the same. So it's not really surprising. Um, then what, what got me thinking is that I think we have slowly come to a time where um, esports ought to have its own category because I think our industry is getting mm. bigger that, yeah. that we... We, we have to regulate in a separate category as opposed to the traditional sports side in that sense. I think I'm still trying to process it. I'll be honest with you. I was still trying to process it because mm. of the manner in which it's being rejected has causes a very big impact. As you mentioned, uh, by rejecting it by the, the government in that way, you know, it, it, doesn't, it no longer recognizes it in any manner. Uh, and that would affect everything from the people that come out of there to the people that are going in there. Uh, as they, I think one of the articles that you you, you yourself highlighted in, in the LinkedIn post was, you know, visas and things like that are no longer available for them to obtain because they're not recognized in that category. Uh, mm-hmm. I think 
that one, you know, honestly, that one may have to be deferred to, you know, EU law and, and have the lawyers go at it if they want to put a position. Uh, if not, then, you know, I mean, they, they can do it either by judicial review or, you know, appealing to... Yeah, which is, European, which the, the, problem, the problem with that is European, that it's a too long of a task, right? Um, it is it's too much of a hassle for people to correct, go through and that's correct, why they rather just move it elsewhere. Correct. I don't, I don't, I think that's, commercially, I think that's the wisest move, but I think if anything was going to set a position, you know, like what you, you mentioned, you want to set an authority, to set a position that esports should be as category on itself, uh, that would be the route that they will have to take. Uh, I think mm. that has opened an avenue for them to take a route, whether they want to challenge it in Sweden or they want to challenge it in the European courts. Uh, for for commercial reasons, I think that that has been there is a route there. But like you mentioned, it's a long, lengthy, and un- some may consider unnecessary process that would impact the game itself as well. Yeah, uh, exactly. But like I said, without proper without properly addressing it, without properly addressing it, you know this will set things back because it's easier to say, hey, look, Sweden has done that. We can do the same. We are just, uh, we are just accepting Sweden's decision because we, we like the way they think and we think that's the right way to think. Uh, on the contrary, you have places like America and Germany where you know, it's more available there to get the sport, e-sports visas and things like that. Um, there is this lawyer that I follow. She's based in America. I follow her on Twitter. I think her name is Jean Oi. Uh, she is one of the more prominent ones that uh, Jeannie Do- Doi. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is an esports immigration lawyer uh, based in America. So wow. uh, definitely, okay. you know, somebody like her would have a lot, a lot more, a lot more input on whether on, on this matter as well. Uh, she'll be able to give us a better idea, like, But um, that would be somebody, you know. Hopefully, one day we can get speak to and, and get an understanding of the esports immigration laws. Uh, how it differs from state to state, especially how this Sweden decision has impacted the scene. Mm, uh, it's mm. like you said, it's not only just for one sport, it is for all esports. Mm. This was a trigger. So uh, the impact, I think, like I said, I'm still processing it. I think the community is still processing the impact. And as much as the immediate commercial reason for Dota to move uh, to a different country to do it, uh, the impact is still there. So the scene will still have to learn and develop to it yeah so it's uh, uh honestly quite shocking when i read it in the morning I just got when i got the update it was uh, something that was totally unexpected considering the fact that the international is supposed to be held two months from today right so by moving the entire tournament to a different country altogether would involve a lot of logistics issue and I'm pretty sure a lot of legal issues as well because I am pretty sure a lot of expenses have been made to um, to organize a tournament there in Sweden and then things like when yeah. the government steps in um, the lawyers will be busy yeah <laughs> when the government steps in to reject then you know who are who who's gonna pay for whatever they have expended right things like that so uh, it's gonna be happy times for lawyers, I suppose, but uh, not happy times for the esports would this, community. Would, would you consider this a force majeure? Oh, <laughs> would you consider a decision like this, an unprecedented decision like this, a force majeure? Interesting well, question. How they would the force majeure clause? Um, whether or not a government decision yeah. 
to revoke license or to reject is part of force majeure. Not so sure because force majeure generally would cover um, nowadays would cover pandemic, uh, riot, whatever thunderstruck, act Correct. of God, right? Acts um, of God, acts of God. Yeah, that's but right. yeah, whether or not this oh well, it's, it's, it's interesting, interesting. I'm not so sure. Well, it depends. Depends whose side are you on, honestly, yeah. I mean, and yeah, that, right. that would mean, determine whether you you think force majeure applies or not. So, well, uh, I ha- I mean, one of I have done a few force majeures, and they they, they did say that uh, by reason of government intervention. I see that I've I've seen force majeure clauses that include by reason of government intervention. So, what well, does that I have mean, to be? If specifically there is, I guess this can be. Uh, I think I'll, at least for Malaysian law, we can say that uh, it has to be specifically mentioned that it is a force majeure clause and the nature of the force majeure. But because this is Sweden law, I am not. I I cannot. We cannot. You know, say whether the force majeure clause needs to be that specific or it just can be a general force majeure. Yeah, right. Or the that, test that, force majeure in Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, interesting. 